We're going to study Joshua. Um, I've been kind of coerced into it by other people. Um, They've been encouraging me to do it, and I've risen to the challenge, and I say thank you, God. But my prayer is that God actually will change us in the process. So there's a green sheet as you came in, which is an outline of roughly where we're going to go in the next five Sundays or so. And I've also, under part one, given you a few notes to reflect on at the end of today either in groups or on your own or whatever. I want to pray first, though, uh, before I go any further. Yeah, do grab a Bible if you want a Bible. That's great. Lord, your word is amazing, and I don't feel amazing, but that doesn't make any difference at all. Speak, Lord. We're all ears. Amen. Good. I've headed this uh, series, Privilege and Responsibility, um, and we, we sung that song, Ascribe Greatness, and we heard that passage from um, Deuteronomy 32 because it was a song that Moses was taught, or God said to Moses, I want you to teach the people a song. And we all know about songs that we were taught in our childhood, whether it's something about a frog or whatever it is. And, and they tend to stick in your mind, don't they, these songs. And so God said to Moses, I want you to teach this nation a song which they can sing every year. Because I want them to remember what this is all about, what this story is. Don't let them forget. So he taught them this song, and we heard a bit of it. That was a song read by that um, American reader. But it's not easy listening, is it? And what it is, it's the passion of God saying, I've loved you. Can you see what I've done for you? I brought you out of slavery. I've set you free. I've loved you like an eagle loves its young. I've lifted you up above the the deserts. I've fed you with milk. I've given you honey. I've loved you. But then we read, but you became fat. And in your wealth, you turned your back on me. And the song goes on. I encourage you to read it, to meditate on it and think, what's God saying here? And at the end of the song, in verse 44, Moses says this. Take to heart all the words I've solemnly declared to you this day, so you may command your children to obey carefully all the words of this law. They're not just idle words for you. They're your life. By them you will live long in the land you're crossing the Jordan to, process, to possess. And I want to, in the next few days, next few Sundays, do what we read about or heard about in that song. It says, I want to remember the days of old. I want to consider the generations of long past. I want to ask our fathers so they can tell us. I want to speak to our elders so they can teach us. And I don't mean going back to my experiences when I was 20. I mean, let's look back over history and say, what is God saying then? What can we learn from God? And if there's one thing that comes out of this series that will thrill my heart, well, there's three things I've got in my mind and I've been praying for. One is that we would fall in love with this book. (laughs) I mean, fall in love with it and read it. Secondly, that we'd believe this book and trust in it for our lives. And thirdly, that we do what God says in this book. (laughs) If we do those things, I will be thrilled to bits. So, hence my encouragement. Please read Joshua. 
in your week if you get the chance, and it'll make more sense when we meet together. So the context. The book of Joshua is sandwiched between the five books of Moses and the historical books, starting with Judges, where then we go through to Kings and so on and so forth. And um, it's at a very critical time because um, Moses has written these five books and he ends with this amazing sermon in Deuteronomy. It's like one sermon. I mean, some of us think 20 minutes is long. (laughs) We've got 29 odd chapters. And uh, he's standing on a mountain. He can see the promised land afar off. And God says, now, speak this to the people. And Joshua is the first book in which God no longer speaks face to face with a person as he spoke with Moses. But from now on, it's written down. So Moses is commanded over years, write this stuff down. Put it in a book. And then he comes to the end of his life, he's 120, and in Deuteronomy, especially the last few chapters, you'll see he hands over this book to Joshua. He says, now Joshua, this is the book. Read it. Do it. Go into the land. God will be with you. But this is your book. Not a critical text, not just a historical document, but it's your life. Now go in, do it. And Joshua, who was a shy person, I believe, did it. And we read about it. And what I want to look at is some of the things he learned in his life and some of the mistakes he made, some of the mistakes that the congregation made. But at the end of the day, at the end of Joshua, he hands the book on with the same charge. This is the book. Now do it. And sadly, we read Judges, and quite rapidly, it all goes downhill. And my encouragement is, let's read this book. I've asked myself the question, I'm asking you the question, how or why do we often fail to obey God's commands? I suggest it's because we don't really believe them. His commands and his promises. The commands and promises of God run together throughout the Bible. God is sovereign and he's wonderful, but he asks things of us. And we have to do something about it. It's a, it's a wonderful thing, isn't it? The blessing of God doesn't just come as something we, we take off a shelf. It's something we enter into and do. And disobedience is always, I suggest, rooted in distrust in who God is or what he's said. And this is what we read in Joshua, and we'll come across it. So in Joshua 1, we read this. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses, my servant is dead. Now then, you and these people get ready to cross the river Jordan to the land I'm about to give them, to the Israelites. I'll give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And we read there that that Joshua was the servant of Moses, who was called the servant of God. But the end of Joshua, we read that Joshua is described as the servant of God. Isn't that wonderful? But even though he may have failed at times, he succeeded. I want that to be true of us. (laughs) So at the end of our book, we're called servants of God. 
And here we are today with a similar charge we've just read. Because Jesus said, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. And there's a resonance there to me about this whole book. But today I want to concentrate on one simple thing. I'm not going to look at the book of Joshua very much. I want to ask this question. Who was Joshua? And what shaped him to be the person that we meet in the book of Joshua? So the book of Joshua starts in about 1452 BC. But we hear about Joshua a good 40 years before that. And I, I want to ask that question then. So who was this guy? What characterized him? And for sake of time, I'm going to look at two main things, but I might just touch on others. But I want you to be asking a question as we go along. Where was your root? What did God to say to you before we read about you now? What's enabled the book to be written about you, if you like? So the, where, who knows where the first reference to Joshua is? Any guesses? And it doesn't matter. You don't have to be right. You can be wrong. Any guesses? Exodus? Good. Yeah. Any, what the story was, maybe. How do we know about him first? Anyone have a guess? Spying? Someone say? Yeah, that's right. That's what most people say. And it's, He did. He went in. He spied out the land with Caleb, didn't he? And, uh, and he came back with a good report. And the other, the other said, no, it's no good. And they didn't go in. Interestingly, it's interesting to note that Caleb was always the spokesman. Hmm. Do not hear Joshua saying much? It was always like Caleb. So he, was, he always liked to be a bit sort of, didn't want to be the top man. <laughs> yeah. But that hasn't, that's, it's not actually the first time we read about him. The first time is in Exodus 17. And it's in the context of Moses needing to defeat the Amalekites. Now the Amalekites were a very nasty tribe, and you might hear a bit of resonance about this in the current world that we're living in. When uh, the children of Israel were fleeing out of Egypt, the Amalekites were a tribe that attacked them, and they attacked those at the rear, those that were poor and sick, the children, the elderly. And God really took objection to that. Not only that, but it says in the scripture that uh, they had no regard for God. And God said, I cannot tolerate that on my earth, where people just want to destroy those that are at the rear of a walking tribe and have no regard for God. And so he said, that's not acceptable. You've got to defeat them. And Joshua was charged with that job. Moses said to Joshua, go and do battle with these Amalekites. And so off he went to do it. But it's that occasion when Moses went up on a mountain to pray while he did it. And you all know the story, I expect. Moses had to hold up his hands, and he got tired as the day went on. So Aaron and Hur stood either side of him. He sat on a stone, and his hands were held up the whole time. But what happened was, whenever his hands were up, there was victory. Whenever his hands went down, there was defeat. Sounds very simple, doesn't it? But as a warrior, as Joshua, what do you learn about that? You're taught to go and do battle with the Malachites. So you go there with your armies, what have you, and you realize that actually you can't do anything. (laughs) 
unless there's someone somewhere with their hands up saying, God, you're the mighty one. If someone says to you, hands up, what does that mean? It means you're a useless warrior. (laughs) You can't draw your sword. You can't point your finger. You're abandoned. Hands up. And up there, Moses was abandoned to God. And all that time when he just was abandoned to God, there was victory. There was some spiritual dynamic going on. What a lesson for Joshua to learn. And that's the first thing we hear about Joshua. We'll see more about how that might pan out later in the chapters of Joshua, which we'll look at in the coming weeks. But also, when they did this, it says, And the Lord said to Moses after the battle, Write this on a scroll as something to remember, and make sure Joshua hears it, because I will completely blot out the name of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called it Jehovah Nissi. The Lord is my banner. He said, because hands were lifted up against the throne of the Lord and the Lord will be at war against Amalek from generation to generation. The Lord is my banner. It means an end sign. It means, well, you know what it's like in these old films and things where you get armies and the banner is the thing we are saying, that's what we're fighting for. That's our raison d'etre. The Lord is my banner. He's my ensign. Interestingly, in Isaiah, it's used a lot of Christ, the son of Jesse, the root of Jesse. He is our ensign. So that was an experience Joshua had way back when he was a fairly young man. But it works out in Joshua chapter 5, and I'm not going to be speaking particularly about Jericho in the next few weeks. I've spoken on it once before. But... Interestingly, before Jericho, Joshua, in chapter 5, says, when Joshua was by Jericho, it kind of implies that he's looking at it and thinking, how on earth am I going to do this? (laughs) This seems impossible. He lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing before him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said, are you for us or for our adversaries? So here we have another situation, 40 years later, where there's battle. And he's about to go in and he's assessing the situation and he meets this person. Are you for us or for our adversaries? And this being replied, no. Hang on, you didn't answer the question. (laughs) No. Wrong question, Joshua. I'm the commander of the Lord's army. Now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped. And said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said, take the sandals off your feet. This is holy ground. Which is just what he said to Moses. Back there in the desert at the burning bush, do you remember? When you're having a tough time, when I'm having a tough time, I often like to ask God, are you on my side? Are you for me, God, or not? Because it doesn't seem like it. 
Wrong question. Are you for us or against us? No. It's not whether God's on our side. Are we on his? Understand? It turns it round completely. Sometimes, and this is idolatry, isn't it? We make God the God we want him to be. And Joshua had to learn, you can't do that with God. And I can't do that with God. And that's painful at times. Isn't it? Because we're not in control anymore. And we have to say, okay, I'll abandon. I'll abandon. And who knows what God can do? Okay. A few other little things I'll touch on. He was, um, he was a young man at the start. He was Moses' servant. Um, he's, he had to live outside the camp. He lived in the tent of the camp, tabernacle, which is quite interesting. Um, he also went up the mountain to collect the Ten Commandments. We don't quite know what he did, but the two of them went up. Moses had all the encounter with God, and then when Moses came down again, he joined up with Joshua, and they came down together. I don't know what Joshua was doing, but he had a very unusual upbringing. God was dealing with him, doing something with him. And it was at the end of those 40 years, walking with Moses and observing, that he had his call to lead the people. But there's one other incident I want to touch on, and that's this. And it's in Numbers 11, if you want to read it later. It's when there was a lot of trouble in the camp. Moses was struggling, and Moses turned to God and said, I can't cope with this. Give me some help. Who is going to help me lead this lot? I can't do it. And he asks, uh, let me just think. That's right. And what happened was that God said, choose 70 people, bring them to the tabernacle, and I'll pour my spirit on them. So outside the camp, these 70 came around the tabernacle, and God poured his spirit on them and began to prophesy. All these 70 began to prophesy. Wonderful. But there were two, called Eldad and Medad. That's not my dad, Medad. And they, um, they weren't actually outside the tabernacle. They were in the camp. And they started to prophesy. And Joshua, it says, cried out to Moses saying, Stop them. Stop them. This isn't right. And Moses replied, Are you envious for my sake? I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and the Lord would put his spirit on them. And there's another great lesson to learn, isn't it, as someone who's walking with their mentor, that leadership is not something to be defended. It's never an exclusive privilege a place to be elevated above others or to seek control when God is at work. And as part of the leadership here, do remember and rebuke us and help us in this. When God starts to break out doing stuff, we don't expect or we go, gosh, is that right? Please tell us if we start putting a controlling hand on it. What a wonderful lesson. And there was an outworking of that as well. And if you flip to Numbers 27, um, I'm not expected to do it now, but 40 years later, when Moses was about to die, actually it was 39 years later, Moses was about to die, and Moses said, Lord, who shall lead this people? They're like sheep that have no shepherd. And the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua, the son of Nun, 
a man in whom is the Spirit, lay your hand on him and make him stand before the priest and commission him in their sight. So Joshua didn't have this face-to-face experience that Moses had. But he is the first leader who was commissioned by God and was dependent on the word of God. As spoken and written, and the prayerful inquiry of the priesthood. And we'll see that he doesn't always get that right, though God was with him. I've got a simple question today, though. And I'm asking it because I want to stir you up. When you first sense the call of God on your life, if you know God, what did you hear from him? And the experiences you've had through your life, lessons from God, have you been changed by them? Or have you grown cool towards him? Perhaps by the subtle fascination by the gods of this world. Or perhaps what you're going through now, is he your banner? Your ensign? Or you seeking control? When did you last fall on your face before him? Literally. Is he your Lord? And do we really love this word? And do we really act on it? (laughs) I don't know whether you've watched Long Lost Family. Um, Anyone seen Long Lost Family on the telly? Long Lost Family. It's about people who've been adopted and and so on. Okay. Um, Watched it a few times. If you haven't seen it, it's basically a reuniting of people who have been separated from their parents through adoption unwillingly. And it's very moving when you find someone meeting their parent for the first time after, say, 40 years, because they were taken away as a baby. And there's an immediate union and this reconciliation, certainly in the ones they show, but it's not always like that. But there's a reconciliation, and it's so moving. And it just reminds me every time of what Father God must feel when we as children have been taken away from him or have moved away from him and he yearns to see us again. And one day you and I are going to face our Father God. We are. Our life's a vapor. And one day we'll face him. And I want to know that I'm reconciled. Or otherwise he's got no option but to say, I'm sorry, I never knew you. That's sobering, isn't it? But it's a joyous thought (laughs) that one day we'll meet him and we'll have a crown to cast at his feet. Because through his sheer grace and loving kindness and power, he invited us back and we got to know him again. It's all in the book. So that's my challenge today. Read the book of Joshua. But as we go through it, let's absorb this book and do it. And if you don't know God at all, well, open your heart to him. 
He's amazing. <laughs> Just amazing. 